We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Please share this message and help us make a difference in the life of a veteran in need. Visit WillYouSeeOneVet.Destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Darkness. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420. The answer is your host, Bob France. Hour number two underway on Always Right Radio. Thanks for being with us. Don't forget, put those knuckles up. It is Fist Bump Friday. Fist Bump the people near you. Tell them it is Fist Bump Friday. Let's get that trending. Thanks to uh, Congressman Jim Jordan. Terrific uh, stuff. A lot of very important information there. They are moving on Hunter Biden to hold him in contempt. That's good news. They are trying to move on Joe Biden uh, with respect to doing something to bring the border under control. I like. Ch- I still say I like Chip Roy's idea. Literally shut the government down until the border is shut down. And we don't mean more agents hired or more funding provided. We're talking about until we put a moratorium on all immigration, legal and and illegal, until this problem is under control. We're 9 million deep since Biden took office. As Jordan just said, we are literally pacing for 12 million by the time uh, Joe Biden is out of office at the end of this year. God willing, he is out of office. Um, Something drastic has to be done, and if that means shutting down the government... In exchange, or rather than uh, uh, getting some ridiculous overspending agreement on January 19th, then that's exactly what must be done. We'll revisit that topic in a bit. Right now, I want to talk about the last president, you know, the guy who actually put into effect the Remain in Mexico policy that did keep millions and millions of illegals out. Uh, it kind of put up the roadblock instead of the red carpet by telling people if you want to try to seek asylum, uh, from uh, persecution in your home country, and you get into Mexico, you stay there. You don't get to wait here. You wait for your hearing there. It worked. And now they don't want that guy to be president anymore or to come back and be president again, rather so much so that they have decided to try to keep him off the ballot altogether. They've done so in Colorado. They have now done so by the Secretary of State, a left-leaning activist or a left-wing activist who hates the country and thinks the Electoral College is specifically racist. <laughs> it is literally a remnant of race, of, uh, of racism in the United States. Uh, so you've got that going on in two different states, and what are we going to do to rectify that situation? Joining us now to answer is the lead counsel at the National Legal and Policy Center, Paul Kaminar, joining us on AM 1420, The Answer. Paul, good to have you on our program. How are you, sir? Yeah, great to be here. Thanks a lot, Bob. My, my pleasure. So they're doing, boy, I'll tell you what, you know, I know they want to beat them, and I know they would cheat to beat them because we've we've been there and done that and got the T-shirt to prove it. Uh, they will do anything they can to stop Donald Trump from ever rising to power again. But, boy, uh, convicting him of insurrection before any trial or evidence or uh, or or uh, um, well, actually sentencing him uh, before any trial or evidence or any conviction uh, uh, in, a, in a charge of insurrection, that's a, that's a new one. 
what is going to happen at the Supreme Court level with respect to what Maine and Colorado have done, Paul? Well, uh, as we are speaking, Bob, the Supreme Court is meeting in their conference that they have on Friday mornings Mm -hmm. to decide whether they're going to take the case uh, from Colorado. And uh, we will know either later today or Monday morning whether they uh, will do so. And I predict that they will grant review of the Colorado case, which was a four to three decision against Donald Trump. Uh, to take the case up, and then the next is how quick they will uh, act on that. And I also predict that they will require briefing and arguments in the next coming weeks because this is an important issue that has to be decided uh, quickly because you have the primaries coming up and the ballots being printed and so forth. So at this point, uh, the Colorado case is on hold uh, as well as the one in Maine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we will hear shortly what's going on, and I think uh, – the arguments in favor of Donald Trump are, are very compelling, and I predict that the court will reverse the Colorado court. You know, I'm not a lawyer, and I certainly don't have the experience you do in these matters, but I kind of just feel like this is so basic that even a layman can understand this. Um, they are they're sentencing him to being ineligible by way of the 14th Amendment, Section 3, because uh, they say that he, he is guilty of insurrection. But, Paul, right. what, what evidence have they other than a CNN report, a bunch of YouTube videos, uh, a bunch of slanted articles in the Washington Post and the New York Times? Because to my knowledge, it's only the court of public opinion uh, that he has been uh, accused, much less convicted, of insurrection. Well, that's that's correct. And, and uh, Jack Smith, who's a special counsel who's indicted uh, Trump uh, in the D.C. case and in the Florida case, did not charge him uh, with insurrection or rebellion. So the one prosecutor who could charge him did not. Now, the arguments being made in, in, in the court, you're right that this should be self-evident to the layman, but there are legal arguments being made. Number one is that this 14th Amendment doesn't even apply to the president because he is not, legally speaking, an officer of the United States. That term the Supreme Court held applies to only appointed officers of the United States. Uh, We have thousands of them in the government, not elected ones. And that's Mm -hmm. why this 14th Amendment specifically separates members of Congress from this uh, criteria. And the president is not even mentioned in this clause. The second thing is that the clause is not what we argue, not self-executing, meaning that you need a law enacted by Congress to put flesh on what it means to be an insurrectionist or rebellion. And Congress has not enacted such a law. So you can't have 20, 30 different courts deciding whether they think that Trump was guilty of rebellion or insurrection. And therefore, the uh, uh, law or argument is that you need Congress to first pass a law to that effect. And I think that's a very strong argument. Of course, finally, uh, Trump did not engage in insurrection or rebellion. At the January 6th rally, he told the ones gathered there to peacefully and patriotically march to the Capitol, let their voices be heard. And that's his First Amendment right. And they're saying this is insurrection or rebellion. Now, they did introduce evidence from the January 6th committee, uh, which was, we know, was a very partisan committee uh, at the trial in Colorado. Uh, but even there, the trial court ruled in favor of, of Donald Trump. But yet now the California, uh, the Colorado Supreme Court ruled against him. So uh, we can see that this case is, is really has a lot of legal uh, defects with it from the point of the Colorado case. And I, like I said, I predict that the 
uh, court will reverse uh, Colorado court. We're talking to uh, Paul Kaminar, the lead counsel at the National Legal and Policy Center. And by the way, this is what you were referring to. We're going to walk down to the Capitol. And we're going to cheer on our brave senators and congressmen and women. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. That's the weakest call yep. for armed insurrection that I've ever heard. <laughs> want you to go down there and cheer, cheer for, for the brave senators and, and congressmen and women, and uh, peacefully and patriotically let them hear you. Uh, that you know, and, and The other part of this, and again, I'm going to be just a non-lawyer here when I say this, quite obviously, Paul, um, I'm, I'm failing to understand how someone can lead an insurrection to overthrow a government that he at that time was still in charge of. He was the, the, the executive of the federal government, the duly elected president. Uh, President-elect Biden couldn't be sworn in until the 20th. On January 6th, it was Donald Trump's government. How can he insurrect his own government? Yeah, that, that's a very good point. Uh, I, I quite frankly haven't thought of that, but uh, you're, you're right. Uh, how can he overthrow his own government? And uh, uh, as a related issue, by the way, uh, next Tuesday there'll be a hearing in the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals here on whether or not President Trump is immune from the criminal prosecution's uh, absolute immunity because at the time uh, he's being charged with all these crimes, he was the president of the United States, and he was engaging in presidential duties in terms of making sure our elections were uh, uh, conducted properly, but with integrity, that there was no fraud. And and uh, under that theory, he was acting as the president. And we will hear arguments next Tuesday uh, in the D.C. Circuit whether or not he is absolutely immune from prosecution for making those kinds of uh uh, you know, statements and, and, and trying to make sure the elections were run properly. What is your legal opinion of that? How will that go? Well, the immunity case uh, is a very tough one. So far, the Supreme Court has ruled that the president of the United States is absolutely immune from civil prosecution. This is the Nixon versus Fitzgerald case. So the question is whether he's uh, immune also for criminal prosecution, for carrying out duties that are what is called in the law the, quote, outer perimeter, end quote, of his presidential duties. Now, it's before the D.C. Circuit. You've got uh, uh, two uh, uh, appointees of Biden, one uh, appointee uh, of uh, Bush, uh, but I I think that uh, the D.C. Circuit will rule against him on that. And then that case will now go to the Supreme Court, but it's not clear whether the Supreme Court will take that case and whether uh, uh, Donald Trump will have to stand trial for the uh, charges against Jack Smith here in D.C. Paul, um, going back to the uh, the Colorado one, you, you said the Supreme Court yep. is going gonna, is gonna to have this hearing now on Friday morning as they do to decide what they're going to take up. Will there be, if they take up the case in Colorado and overrule the Colorado Supreme Court, does that effect effectively set a precedent for all of the other states that are considering doing this, including they did it in a different way, obviously, as we pointed out. Uh, it's the main Secretary of State who decided his name couldn't right. appear on the ballot there. That was not a, a, a main Supreme Court decision. Right. Does a Supreme Court of the United States ruling on one cover all? That's a good question, and I think the ruling will cover all, because if they rule that 
the 14th Amendment doesn't even apply to Donald Trump. That that ends the game right there. No one else can touch this. If they also rule that the provision is not self-executing, then you first have to have Congress uh, enact a law. That, too, will will uh, set the precedent for all the states. Uh, there's also, of course, uh, related issues of whether he was uh, given due process in terms of uh, this, you know, fi- being able to show he was not guilty of insurrection uh, or rebellion. That's what we call in the law the, 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 the merits or the facts of the case. But I think uh, the court will rule on the procedural legal issues because if they do so, that will set the precedent for all the states that are looking at this. And there's like some 20 or 30 states right now that are considering this uh, uh, issue of removing Trump from the ballot. Um, if he is, Paul, and I expect uh, most of everything you've said is going to be right, he's going to be able to be on the ballot. The Supreme Court is going to do the right thing. I, I agree with you. But um, from a standpoint of um, voting for a felon, I, I feel like this is something that the American people are going to have to decide for themselves because he's facing 91 different counts in the four different uh, jurisdictions of indictments. Um in, in at least three of them, there are extremely left-wing prosecutors going to be arguing in front of extremely left-wing judges and drawing from extremely left-wing jury pools in those jurisdictions. The idea that he goes 91-0 and 0 is probably, I mean, come on, slim and none and, 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 and slim left the building. Um, he's going to be convicted on at least some of these things because that's what they, that's what they do when they railroad people. Do you think that the American people will be able to make their decision when it comes to a general election to vote for a convicted felon, given the fact that some of them may know that it was a railroad job and some of them may not, and just say convicted of a felony in a court of law, no, I can't vote for that guy. Yeah, uh, that that's a good question. I think there's been some polling on that that, that indicated that if he is convicted on some of these charges, that there will be a drop in voters who otherwise would have voted for him. But keep in mind that, uh, as you said, that these uh, convictions are are politically motivated. He still has a, a right to appeal uh, these cases, and and he certainly will do so if he's convicted. And that will take uh, a year or two for those appeals to run out. And that's also presupposing, Bob, that that these convictions will come before uh, the election. Uh, I know they're trying to rush this through uh, right now, uh, but. Uh, especially here in D.C., where the prosecutor wants the trial to be held on March 4th, the day before Super Tuesday. And the judge there put everything on hold while the immunity issue is being litigated. And by the way, just last night, uh, Trump's lawyers filed a motion to hold Jack Smith in contempt of court, Mm -hmm. because even though the judge says, hey, everything's on hold, he kept filing motions wanting to move the case forward. I couldn't believe how a prosecutor is basically thumbing his nose at the court saying, you know, basically, I don't care what you're saying about staying the case. I want to get this tried before Super Tuesday. So uh, that, that that's the latest development here. But uh, uh, you know, still, there may be a drop off if he is convicted. But again, keep in mind that even if he is, that he has the right to appeal these decisions. And I think the merits of these cases are really in his favor. We are talking uh, with Paul Kaminar. He's the lead counsel at the National Legal and Policy Center. Uh, last thing for you, just a general question. I've never really even heard the term lawfare before what has been done to Donald Trump over the course of the last year or so. Um, and, and I think it's accurate now that I do know what it means. Has there ever been 
such um, a persecution, a political persecution, using the law, using bogus, trumped up, pardon the pun, um, phony indictments to try to take down a presidential candidate. Have you ever seen this type of quote-unquote lawfare before, or is this new ground? I think this is a relatively new phenomena, and it it really ramped up uh, when uh, Trump was elected, and even before he was elected. Uh, with everyone going after him. Uh, you had these uh, prosecutors who ran for office vowing to go after Trump, uh, the New York Attorney General and the one here in uh, Georgia and so forth. So this is a really partisan activity that's going on. It's really undermining the integrity of our judicial system, and we have a dual system of justice, uh, and now we have uh, uh, we see what's going on here. Uh, but, but hopefully... Uh, uh, the courts will prevail at the end in, in favor of the right thing and justice, and, and hopefully we can uh, uh, get to the right result here. Yeah, well, we can all cross our fingers and hope, because I think just the future of our country depends upon it. And I mean that. You know, it's, it's just so frustrating to me to listen to the left, and particularly the Democrats and the Biden supporters, talk about defending democracy. Joe Biden's going to spend the next few days at various places celebrating darkness and saying that doc- democracy is in jeopardy. They are literally in banana republic fashion trying to stop the name of the leading contender of the opposition party from appearing on the ballot thus denying voters the opportunity to choose who they want how on earth is not that not the biggest threat to democracy that we have ever seen well that's a, that's a good point in fact that's one of the uh legal arguments being made by the Colorado Republican Party in their petition to the Supreme Court they argued that uh this violates the First Amendment rights of the voters for their right of association to elect the candidate they want to be president of the United States. So besides these other legal arguments I talked about, that's another one that raises basically the whole issue that you're talking about, that this is undermining democracy in terms of allowing the people to decide who they want to uh, be the next president. That's exactly what they're doing. Paul Kamen, our lead counsel at the National Legal and Policy Center. Paul, thank you for lending your expertise to these very important matters. Obviously, there's a lot, uh, you know, a long road to travel in front of us over the course of the next 11 months. We'll see where they go, but we'd love to be able to call on you again. Yeah, please do. Be glad to do that. Thank you very much. Paul Kaminar from the National Legal and Policy Center. It's 1024. We're going to get a timeout. Coming up after the bottom of the hour, <clears throat> Jack Windsor is going to be back with us. Jack has got a host of Ohio issues to lend his analysis to, including the upcoming Mike DeWine press conference. Mike DeWine is supposed to start a press conference about six minutes from right now. We're going to try to find a feed and carry some of that live, and Jack and I will respond to it. But Mike DeWine is about to announce a ban on, on transgender surgeries for minors, which is exactly what the bill the SAFE Act that just passed the House and passed the Senate and went to his desk would do that he vetoed. Why is he now trying to do what he said that they shouldn't do when he vetoed that legislation? We're going to talk about it with Jack Windsor. We'll try to bring you some of